Welcome everyone. Welcome back, Judy. Good to see you again. Um, <clears throat> thank you for being here today. Um, I was considering all of the distress in the world, um, the suffering that's going on everywhere, and <clears throat> the fact that we sit here on Sundays, um, my day of basically not doing, I wouldn't say doing nothing, or maybe doing nothing, um, <clears throat> and remembering the, uh, I think it was Milton's, uh, I'm, I'm not sure the title of the poem, but uh, there is, a, I think, a phrase in there that they also serve who only stand and wait. They also serve who only stand and wait. And um, perhaps we can say they also serve who only sit and breathe. Um, not to underestimate the power of not doing, of just sitting and breathing and taking this way of being into the world um, in our everyday lives because this practice is not about just sitting in the zendo. Uh, this is our, I like to think of it as five-finger exercises uh, <laughs> You know, it's practice. Uh, the, the real practice is, is out there in the world. Um, and so we bring this with, to everyone we meet, to everything we do. And uh, so we are serving. It's a very rare and wonderful opportunity to have this time to just slow down and stop and sit and just take your place without having to take action uh, or, to, or to take non-action to take non-action and to wait and to listen and to pay attention <clears throat> so thank you for holding this space and holding this time together to serve in this way um Today I want to start a series of talks and attentiveness to the Ten Precepts. Uh, that is a core part of our practice. We have many, 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 many times turned our attention to the precepts, and we many, many times come and sit down on our cushions and we're going to do that again. Um, Jason uh, has requested to receive the ten precepts and he will be sewing a rock suit. Um, and uh, this is lay ordination. Joshin and Juzan will be sewing their priest robes, uh, which will be priest ordination. 
Jason will be receiving precepts for the first time formally. Joshin and Juzon will be receiving precepts formally for the second time. And I will be receiving precepts for the third time uh, because I will be sewing my brown robe, which is um, the robe of transmission. So um, we will all be receiving precepts at, for the first time, really. And just as in any family, when one member of a family suffers, the whole family suffers. When one mem- member of a family um, experiences joy and celebration, the whole family experiences that together. And similarly here, when Jason receives precepts, when Joshin and Juzon receive precepts, and I receive precepts, again, we're all receiving precepts together. This is not a, an isolated, singular process. So we're all going to receive precepts together in our own way, and kind of paying attention to them over the next months, and who knows how long it will take. But I want to begin by talking generally about precepts. Not commandments, we often say, not commandments, not, you know, absolute truths, and this is how you have to live although they resemble commandments, because these are precepts that is often said any realized human being lives this way, lives without with minimizing killing, with refraining from lying, refraining from taking what isn't yours, refraining from clouding the mind with intoxicants of various sorts, staying faithful in relationships, not giving way to anger. I mean, and there are others, not praising or blaming, not dwelling on the mistakes of others, not hoarding materials or teachings, and sharing as much as you can these profound teachings with others. So in general, those are the, those are the guidelines with which we live our lives. And any human being in their perfection and purity would live this way. In a way, it's very simple. As the first of the pure mind precepts, be good. Be good. Don't be bad. (laughs) And purify yourself. Get rid of all the toxins as best you can. So just 
and be a good person. Be a good person. What did the Dalai Lama said? My religion is kindness. So simple. We're all here on this earth for a very limited time. You know, let's just be kind to each other. Let's just help each other out. Let's just be good to each other. In our practice, perhaps one way of formulating this is to speak of living a mindful life. Living a life of awareness, of attentiveness, of being present to what is in front of us. And to be mindful, this is a very popular term these days, mindfulness practice, uh, vipassana practice. But you could call it awareness practice, um, being present, being, uh, giving your attention to things 100%. Sometimes I put this put this way of living uh, as pressing the pause button. And we all have the pause button on our machines, our computers. Really, that's what we're doing today, right here and now. We're pressing the pause button. You know, is the pause button, it's got those two Right, those two lines. And I spoke today about the space between the in-breath and the out-breath. And here we live in this space between doing and not doing, right and wrong, left and right, good and bad, pause. We live between these dualities between these dualities, which we're always moving back and forth. My preferences, my good, my bad, my right, my wrong, ought, should, should not, yes, no. It's just endless, the the number of dualities we oscillate between. The pause, and we could say this is the middle way, it's right between the in-breath and the out-breath. It's what is empty, emptiness. This, what's, what's, what's there? N- nothing. But completely pregnant with possibility. For the most part, we don't live in that space. There are various ways of describing this sense of um, non-pausing, of constant achievement, of attainment, of action, of moving, of doing and doing, and and you know constantly being busy. We get into a kind of trance, and I suspect that many of us including me, live in this trance of action. We're just, it's a kind of inertia. 
we get moving, our thoughts get moving, our bodies get moving, and we just get caught up. And we're in automatic pilot, this kind of trance that we're, we're in. And every now and then, somebody or something or some event will wake us up. Hello! <laughs> Suddenly. And we realize we've been sleeping. We haven't been fully present. We haven't just kind of... Of course, we can never stop completely because of impermanence. It's sort of a... I do this a lot at stop signs. It's called a rolling stop. <laughs> at least we can do that. At least we can do a rolling stop in the midst of all of our intense activity. We can just sort of what we're doing now is just a rolling stop. And take a look. Just pay attention to the scenery. What's here? What's at the stop sign? What's around us? (coughs) Instead of all this stuff flying, flying by. Um, This talk actually has come out of something George said at karate class. Um, We're talking about... uh, getting into a tussle with someone, you know, fighting, fighting. And um, you can get very caught up in anger or the act of battle, as we're seeing in our country right now. Um, Very caught up in partisanship and fighting and back and forth. And... Do you remember saying that um, at some point in the in the confrontation, someone said, "That's a funny face you're making, right?" Or that your nose looks all scrunched up in the middle of this really serious confrontation, and suddenly there's this, "Oh, look at your nose." And suddenly everything is completely falls apart. All the anger, all the and the and the and the battle is over, right? That's a wake up moment. That's really a moment of enlightenment. It's when somebody is willing to press the button and say, "Wait a minute! Look at your nose." And suddenly we're right in the middle there where possibilities become open and endless and there's great spaciousness and we're not caught up in that trance of anger, of fear, of worry. There's that moment. Look at your nose looks funny. So there are many, many 
opportunities for us to press that button. And what happens when we do that? What's, what becomes possible? We press that button and just come to a rolling stop and we can remember something. We can remember a precept. We can remember a past experience that we weren't terribly happy in and can see ourselves entering that again. There's, we get very caught up in habit energy. So many times we get caught up in, I'm doing this again. No matter how hard I practice, I'm still doing this thing again that I thought I was past. And we see ourselves moving. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. I know I shouldn't do it, but here I go. I'm doing it. I remember vowing that I would never, ever say to my daughter the things that my mother said to me in the tone that my mother said it to me. And sure enough, can't tell you how many times I caught myself saying exactly what my mother said to me, to my daughter, in exactly the tone that my, my daughter said it. And I saw myself going there. But I went there anyway. So there's that opportunity to, and this is what we're practicing on this cushion, Believe it or not, we're not just practicing enduring pain. (laughs) We're practicing pausing and opening to this spaciousness of possibility. That we can make a different choice. We may not make it, but we can make it. We see that there's the possibility that we can make it. So we can remember something that we find useful and helpful to us when we come to that rolling stop. So I have a list of things that can be possible. We can, when we pause, take a breath, we can come back to our bodies we can come back to the way we are really feeling instead of ignoring ignoring what our bodies are telling us, where the pain is, what our heart is messaging us. I'm remembering the first time I ever smoked a cigarette and I didn't pay attention to what my body was telling me. I took that cigarette and it was was just horrible. And I just kept smoking. 
and after a while it became the new normal was to feel horrible. So our bodies have a wisdom, our heart has a wisdom that sometimes we completely ignore and cover over because it's, it's just this skin bag and it doesn't, you know, it's just something we carry around with us and it's annoying. But it's, this really, we have a body practice. This is yoga, what we're doing. So our bodies speak and sometimes we don't pay attention because it's just the body. But if we pause, we can get back in touch with our bodies, which is, again, something we do on our cushion. We become, we don't, well, we do get lost in chatter, but we become very much aware, uh, particularly through pain, of our being a body. Sometimes when I press the pause button and take a breath, or sometimes it takes three or four conscious breaths before I can actually come come to that stop. I take hold of a mantra or some phrase or principle that is important to me. One of my favorite mantras is, how is what I'm thinking right now, how does what I'm thinking right now have anything to do with what is happening right now? How are my thoughts in any way related to now? to what's in front of me. And usually I find they have absolutely no relationship whatsoever. Or if I find myself really agitated with somebody and get caught up in the trance of anger or blame, I ask myself, how is this me? Sometimes it's, you know, we're just really caught up in you, 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 this, this horrible thing that's happening to me and this person is doing this and this person is making me angry and then suddenly, instead of this, it's this. Nobody is making you angry. How can they do that? No one can make you angry. This is something that comes from you. And often the things that make, make us angry are things we really despise in ourselves. And we're projecting that out onto someone else. I always hated it when my dog started whining during a thunderstorm and crawled under the couch you know, whining and scared. You are such a 
sissy. You know, you're black lab, you know, you should be part of this deal. You should be protecting us and everything. But I realized I'm afraid of thunderstorms. <laughs> and I don't like seeing that <laughs> writ large, especially with your children. See, the things that you really don't like about your children. And they're just really basically mirroring you back to you. And, oh, God, I'm like that? So my mantra is often, how is this me? So I just stop for a minute. (laughs) Rolling stop. (sighs) Breathe. Okay. How, How is this me? Let's just take a look at this for a minute. When we press the pause button, we can simply bow. Every, as we spoke last week, everything we do in here fundamentally has no meaning. And there's a kind of emptiness in everything that happens to us and everything that we do in the world. It's impermanent, fleeting, dissolves. It's like trying to get hold of water. You can't hold on to it. And we and our bow is an acceptance of that. No matter what's happening, pause and accept. Recognize it's there. Actually, we don't even have to accept or reject. We can just let things be. Things don't need our acceptance because they are independently of us. They don't need our rejection either because they are what they are. And they continue to go on whether we accept or reject. And taking the right action, what we call skillful means, living in, in dwelling with the precepts, begins with that. Seeing things just as they are. And actually being with yourself just as you are. And this tremendous drive, all the self-help books that are out there, self-improvement things that are out there. And we're always looking to improve ourselves. Where are we going with this improvement of ourselves? I want to change. I want to become a better person. You are already... 
exactly what you need to be. You're just not seeing it. That's the only change that needs to be made. You need not strive and strain and fight against who you are, which is often what we do. We have an internal war that we're fighting, which is in a way manifest in the world, in the wars that we're always fighting. That comes from this, from here. So pause the battle, like George says. Pause that internal battle and say, look in the mirror and say, you have a funny nose. This is what we're practicing, too, right now. And you know how beautiful, you know, the pause before a concert, the pause before you call a loved one, the pause before you see a loved one that you have, whom you haven't seen in a while, just the pause before you walk into a doctor's office. All these auspicious pauses, the pause that you make before you take the first bite of a wonderful meal. Ah, just. So our practice is, in a way, creating as many pauses of mindfulness as we can generate in a day. So thank you for sharing this middle space together today.